Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Live on Fireside. Hello and welcome to Guilty Greeny, live on Fireside from the Climate Collab Auditorium. We are your imperfect hosts. I'm Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris. And I don't know about you, but we're tired of perfectionism and trying to live more sustainably. Personally, I feel that if I'm not living in a cave, hand-spinning the wool from my hand-red, yet free-ranging llamas, I'm pooping all over this glorious planet. So no matter which way I turn, I feel like I'm getting it wrong. We want to get real for a minute and focus on what we can achieve because I've got no intention of moving into a cave. Sure as hell can't spin any wool, but I probably wouldn't say no to a few llamas. So (laughs) join us as we bear all. We'll share our own guilt, share our own journeys and just add some levity in our attempts and fails to be more eco-friendly but in the real world i agree i have no plans on moving to a cave anytime soon but the llama part (laughs) sounds doesn't sound too bad i have to be honest we are going to be sharing our own journeys the good the bad and the laughable and today we are sharing our naked truth Sarah, please explain what that means, because I feel like that could be taken in so many wrong directions. It so could. Last week, we looked at the laundry uh, and got a bit dirty in there. But now we're going to look at just specifically the shower, because the bathroom's a big eco issue. Personally, it's one of the first places I started when I thought, right, I need to be a bit more sustainable. This looks like a place that needs some work. Kate's going to educate me on what actually that looks like. I'm really looking forward to knowing what I've been doing right and probably what I'm doing wrong. Right, Kate? I think surprisingly more people do stuff right than they think they do. And you raised a really good point. When people are thinking about being a bit more conscious or sustainable in their life, they tend to either start with the kitchen, the bathroom, or their wardrobe. Those tend to be the three places where people feel like they have the most control. 
I'm going to kick things off. We're going to get personal right up front. How often do you take a shower? Oh, you're diving right in. I know, um, we're just right in. No barriers <laughs> at this point. I'm scared to answer this because either I'm going to look like I overshower or I undershower and I don't know which one's worse. But I shower every day, once a day in the morning. I have to have a shower to wake up. The exception to that rule is if I'm exercising straight away. So I will save my shower till after I've had my run or bike or whatever. I feel like you're going to tell me that that's bad. (laughs) No, it's normal. Listen, we're not here to cast judgment on anybody. We're just here to help (laughs) shed some light on maybe some better habits. Hold on. Tell me about you. When do you shower? How often? So about every two to three days. I I can smell you from here. (laughs) I just can't be bothered. I'll wash up at the sink in the evenings. And if I've been outside working on the farm or if I've been working out or something, yes, absolutely, I'll take a shower. But if I'm sitting in the office for a couple of days working, then no, honestly, I can't be bothered to. And I don't smell or no one's complained yet. I guess maybe that's (laughs) (laughs) That's the key, Kate. Nobody's complained. For a second, when you were saying, oh, I'm not sure I want to tell you, I was having flashbacks to last week's show where we talked about how often Brits wash their bedding. Yes. Right? Do you remember that? Horror. Yes. Like once a year. That Just- is disgusting. When I changed my sheets this week, all I could think of was that stat that we only change in supposedly once a year. And I was just imagining that cracking of the sheets coming oh. off. It's disgusting. Maybe we looked out the wrong way. Maybe they change them. They just don't wash them all. They're just changing out the bedding, but then they're saving it for one large wash at the end of the year. I'm going to go with that. That's more pleasant, still not great. <laughs> I don't think that's any good either. Look, they're still bad. I think the stats speak for themselves. All right, here's how often people generally shower. And by the way, Sarah, also side note, I did all my calculations ahead of time for this week's show. So I have gallons and liters prepped and ready to go for you. Because Um, you know I hate a maths show. I hate a maths show. Oh, me too. All right. Right, Far away. Two-thirds of Americans shower daily. It is often in the morning for the same reason you had mentioned, which is to feel that kind of wake up. However, that is also divided depending on your job. If you're a blue-collar worker, you tend to shower in the evenings because you may be getting physically dirty, whereas if you're an office worker, you tend to shower in the mornings. That number goes to 80% of Australians shower daily, 62% of Brits shower daily, and in China, it's about 50% twice a week. There's quite big differences, isn't there, between even Australians, 80% down to 50%. Interesting. There's also like cultural norms there too. Americans became obsessed with cleanliness. Part of that went to consumerism because you could put a shower in your home. Then we saw this in particular after World War II. When I was doing some reading on the history of the shower, I couldn't find any exact information on this, but it looks like the shower in our home that we know today, the electric shower, really didn't come into popularity until the 60s in the United States and the 80s in the UK. The 80s in the UK? Yeah, that's what one of the papers was talking about. Now, it's funny that you say that because my day job is I've got a property business and I often go looking at older homes that you can do up and flip. A lot of times, those bathrooms, one, they're in the oddest positions because they've been kind of shoehorned into the last sort of space because normally there'd be an outhouse. But yeah, there's not often a shower. There's still some places that you would go into and there'd be a bath and I'd be like, it's odd. You could tell that it was maybe a late 70s bathroom. So there you go. The old clawfoot tubs, they'll retrofit them now too. So it has the shower head coming up so you can stand in the tub to take a shower. That's really popular to see as well in older Mm. homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it looks like between 60s and 80s in the United States and the UK, that's when they became really popular. 
Interesting. Before that, people were taking a bath. Which is time consuming. And also, well, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but which one's worse for water consumption? It all depends. It all depends. (laughs) (laughs) If you're showering every single day, this is, I promise, the only maths portion of our show. The average shower is about eight minutes. Uh, A lot of people say they only take a five-minute shower. Data shows us they actually take an eight-minute shower. The average shower uses 17.5 gallons of water or, for you, Sarah, 65 liters Mm-hmm. So in the UK, that's 4.2 million liters of hot water per day across the UK. Right. That sounds like a lot. It is. A 20-minute mm-hmm. shower uses 50 gallons or around 189.6 liters of water. But this is where it gets a bit tricky. These are just averages, different tubs, different sizes. A bathtub uses 80 gallons of water. So going back to our eight-minute shower, it's 17.5 gallons for a shower versus a bath, which is eight. E-A-T, eight-zero. Wow. Can't say that. Numbers saved my life today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, That's interesting. Well, so here's the nuance. That's taking into account you have a shower head that's not necessarily a low flow, but is not either a fast-flowing or a power shower. A fast-flowing shower head uses 80 liters in just four minutes. So that would be 160 liters for an eight-minute shower. Or mm. power shower can use 136 liters in four minutes. So actually, you're saying that the bath could be a better option because you get to enjoy it longer than four minutes for a start because you're mm-hmm. only going to get four minutes in the shower. I always felt guilty taking a bath, but I'll tell you what, I might not now. I'll tell you <laughs> who should feel guilty is my daughter. She said she'd been in the shower and this is horrifying. You're going to mm. drop off 45 minutes, 45 minutes in the shower. How did she not prune up? Didn't she like shrivel up? No? I don't know. God knows what she was doing. But yeah, all water gone. So I'll be giving her these stats when she comes home later. (laughs) Sending her the bill. Great segue because we know from last week's show that most electric use for laundry comes from the heating of the water. And the same is for the shower as well. The most CO2 emissions and electric usage comes from the actual heating of the water. So Mm. it's better to have, if you can, low flow shower heads or flow aerators, or cut down on the temperature of your shower. You had mentioned you want to have a refreshing shower. It helps wake you up in the morning. Yes. Colder is better. The colder shower, my son's been doing that a lot lately. I think it's something to do with waking him up as well. You also lose a lot of time. When you go to the shower, you turn it on and let it run a little bit before it you get in and then you end up faffing around and you're just letting all that water go down the drain. So I think that's something to be conscious of as well, isn't it? Yeah, there's been a huge push one not to do that but two have you ever heard of gray water usage yeah i have but i couldn't tell you the meaning of it is it when it's been recycled or something yeah essentially it's recycled water one of the things some people are doing is when they were first turning on their water they would put buckets in and then uh using it to either water their lawns or cleaning around the house things like that so it was just a way to capture that water that wasn't being used. And I get that's not for everyone, but it's just a a Mm. thought for anybody who's hoping to capture some of that water and reuse it. Very clever. So (laughs) showers are the third largest water use after toilets and washing machines. And it accounts for 1.2 trillion gallons of water annually. That's in the home. That's the most just home. just in the home, not like anywhere else. Okay. Got you. Yeah. On that front, If you're going to shower every day, cut down the temperature because that's going to help with saving money and helps you save on electricity, helps cut down CO2 emissions, and then shorter showers better, obviously, for water savings. Okay. Here's a question for you. 
the towels in my bathroom. I swear to God, people use them like they're disposable in my house. And everywhere I go in the morning, I will pick up a towel. This is what my husband does. He has every intention to reuse that towel. So what he does is he brings it into the bedroom and then hangs it on the radiator. But what we end up with by the end of the week is five freaking towels on the radiator. Because he forgets to bring it in. 100%. (laughs) So we've got that situation. Then we've got the kids just eating them, snacking on a wet towel, throw it on the floor. (laughs) That's what it feels like. Do they leave their wet towels on the floor? Of course they do. And sometimes on their beds. I mean, they're just little monsters. But tell me, what's the best practice? You see it often if you go to a hotel. Leave it on the floor if you want to change the towel. Or if you're trying to save the planet, hang it up and reuse it. So how often should we be washing our towels? The information points to washing your towel about every two to three uses. Personally, I really disagree with that. And I want to do more digging into that because I think if you're balling up a wet towel and leaving it in a corner somewhere to potentially mold, then yeah, I get it. Wash it more often. But if you're hanging it up to dry, presumably you have just cleaned yourself in the shower. So, yes, you might get some sloughing off of skin cells onto your towel and whatnot. But I think I, to me, two to three washes seems actually too soon. Okay. So, I'm going to ask you a personal question. How often do you wash your towel? Once a week. But again, I don't shower every day. So, technically, for me, it probably would be about every three, oh. three to four uses. True. Okay. I feel like people are going to think you are the cleanest person in the world and I may be the dirtiest person. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, what we're going to discover later after my challenge from this week, which I don't want to go into too much, is actually the towels came into play and I have changed my habits because of your challenge. Put a pin Mm. in that one and we're going to keep going, diving into the shower. Let's talk about the endless products that end up in my shower. I've gone Mm -hmm. through so many iterations of trying to be sustainable. When I first started on the sustainable kind of journey of my own, I looked in the shower and went, this is ridiculous. We're throwing out 750 mil bottles of conditioner every couple of days. Sure, we're recycling them, but that doesn't seem like the, the right way to be doing it. I went down the hole of the shampoo bar and the conditioner bar. And I went through quite a few different types of them. And then I found this beautiful brand. It was a New Zealand brand and it was gorgeous. So I bought all the special little containers and I put them in the shower. And the next couple of months, you just saw pieces of bars all over the floor and the moldy container that nobody could be bothered to ever rinse out. So that kind of went to the wayside. It didn't really work out. There was no buy-up from the rest of the house, I guess, was the issue. What I've gone to is buying the large five-liter tubs with their own sort of pump on them, and then I decant them into my little mini pump bottles. And sometimes they're recycled bottles that I've had lying around for ages. That's what I've got as my solution at the moment. Tell me, right or wrong? There's no right or wrong. You're never going to hear me say that. Okay. There are a couple of like big wrongs, but if we ever get there, I will put a big warning sign up. I will let you know. (laughs) I should say, should I be guilty or not guilty? (laughs) (laughs) This is not a courtroom. I really appreciate that you just aired those frustrations because these are the things that are not Mm. talked about. These are the things that people, they start on their sustainability journey and they're seeing all these pretty images and they're hearing people talk about how easy it is and they're running into similar problems you have and they get really frustrated And a lot of times that frustration can turn into personal guilt, which we don't want because personal guilt prevents you from acting. It's so true. 
And I also forgot to mention that when I started on my journey to try and find the soap bar and the conditioner bar, I went down the uh, adventure track after a lovely summer holiday. I'd been in France and there was lovely little markets that had the shampoo bars. I thought, I'm going to make some of those when I get home. So I did. You made your own shampoo bars. I made my own shampoo bars and they can only be classed as paint stripper. They stunk like just, (laughs) there was no scent that I could get into them at all. And then your hair would come out like straw. But yeah, so that was my journey with the soap. I stuck at it because I knew that there was a better solution, but I had to go through all those iterations to get to one that I was happy with. You didn't end up finding one that you were happy with, right? You switched over to the Mm -hmm. larger bottles. If it was just me, I would have been happy with the soap bars and the conditioner bars, but obviously the buy up in the house was low. That's one of the challenges too, being in a home with multiple people. You don't want to be Mm -hmm. buying 500 different products. You want to find something that suits them. I have very similar frustrations. I had tried to switch over to shampoo bars and for me, they would work for about a month or so and then... I didn't like what it was doing to my hair. I was just not a big fan. I did the same thing. I went through a couple different brands and eventually switched back to buying enormous bottles of shampoo. How big? Come on. Oh, you can't. can't, We're not doing a math. Yeah, we're not doing a math in this show. (laughs) But they are massive bottles. And I do the same thing. I put them into smaller bottles and they'll last for about five to six months. Yeah, that's impressive. And I wash my hair about three times a week. When I was traveling, like pre-COVID, I loved the shampoo bars because I did not have to worry about what was going on my carry-on. They were incredible. I could just pop it in a tin and off we went. On that point, great on the way over, but then on the way back, sometimes I'm like, I'm not taking that slimy bar back with me and then I'd be feeling wasteful. A lot of hotels are cutting down on their small plastic bottles, the toiletry bottles, which is great. And then a lot of them are opting into recycling programs. So they'll take the soaps, use them for other products. Shampoo bars, conditioner bars, and soap bars, they're a great option. Some people absolutely love them. Like you said, it takes finding the product that's right for you. I would suggest not popping it into a tin and closing it after you're using it, especially if you're in your own home. Just pop it on a tin or its place in the shower and leave it to air out. When you're traveling, pat it down with a cloth or something. Side note, every time I travel to Europe, I forget to bring a face cloth. And I don't know why it annoys me that there are no face cloths in most hotels or places you stay at. That's true. I haven't seen a face cloth in years. (laughs) Some people just don't use it. To me, it's a personal preference. But bars are great. And then second, refill stations, if you can find them, they are becoming more and more popular. The third best option, there's make your own, which you've tried and (laughs) it's not my thing. And fourth option, cut down your plastic. The bigger the bottle, the better. Only 9% of all plastic waste that's ever been produced has been recycled. 12% has been incinerated and 79% of plastic ends up in landfills, dumps, or the natural world. Okay. 79% of plastic doesn't Mm -hmm. get recycled. Or burned. Yeah. It ends up in landfills or waterways dumped on the side of the road. Wow. Back that up. When I'm recycling in my bin, you're saying that doesn't go to be recycled? I'm not saying that. I think you are. No, no. (laughs) Can I give a shameless little plug? Brian Mm. and I did a climate collab show called The Rising Tide of Ocean Plastic. And we talked a lot about this, about how plastic gets sorted. The key takeaways from that, one is that a lot of plastics are blends. The technology doesn't necessarily exist to separate those plastics from one another and then reuse it. 
The second thing is there are not a lot of recycling centers, specifically in the United States. So we ship a lot of our plastic overseas. China actually closed their borders to that in 2018, I think, and said, no, we're not taking your trash anymore. So we send it all over. And a lot of times those countries that we're shipping our plastic off to in order to be recycled, they don't have the systems in place either to really deal with it. That's scary, isn't it? It's really sad. If you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favourite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to blendjet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's FERRIS, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus, as a bonus, it's a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't remember Ferris 12, go to the show notes and click the link. Well, let's talk about what's actually inside those plastic containers that aren't being recycled properly. Mm. What's good? What's bad? Is there some things that I shouldn't be using? Definitely. But before we go there, very quick on this point, because I think it's really important to know is that 95% of plastic thrown away is single-use plastic. Think a straw, cutlery, plastic bag, cosmetics, things like that. But also, if you're buying bar soap and it comes in a plastic wrap on the outside, that's considered single-use. Within cosmetics, that has to do with soaps and shampoos, all of it. It's 120 billion units of packaging produced every year for the cosmetic industry. And it's thought to account to the loss of 18 million acres of forest annually. So first and foremost, when it comes to any kind of packaging, try to the best of your ability not to use a single-use plastic, anything that's wrapped or just going to be thrown away immediately. And then B, as you and I were talking about, the bigger the container, if you are going to use plastic, the better Mm. because you don't Mm want to be buying it more frequently than you absolutely have to. Wow, that's really quite frightening. And cosmetics, I haven't even started looking at that. We're going to have to do a whole episode on cosmetics, I think. There's a big debate on that too. That'll be interesting. I had to buy something the other day. I didn't even think, okay, what's in that packaging? I don't see an eco alternative on the shelves that I would go, that brand is eco. I think it's definitely one to put a pin in and we'll come back to that one as well in a different episode. Even the labels too. Being able to right. read a label and not just read a label, but trust a label. is mm-hmm. incre- There's so much greenwashing happening. It's incredibly difficult. We should do labels too. Mm. Okay, so what's in it? Last week we had talked about in the United States, laundry detergent, you don't necessarily have to list every single ingredient. Yep. Shampoos and conditioners, you absolutely have to, and they have to be in descending order from highest concentration to lowest. 
lower than 1%, you can list them however you want, but everything does need to be listed. Soap, however, is different. Soap does not necessarily need to be completely labeled. Right. Okay. Your question though was what's in it? Mm -hmm. What should we be looking at and going, oh, steer clear of that one, but go towards that one? Maybe not known to people is that in a lot of cosmetics, including shampoos and conditioners, there are microplastics. This is actually well-known within the industry, but a lot of people may not know this. And a microplastic is a particulate of plastic that is five millimeters or smaller. The reason for this, specifically acrylic polymers, you ever see like the shampoos or conditioners that are like seal in moisture and make your hair healthier? Mm, That's what acrylic polymers do. They coat your hair. So you're literally coating your hair in plastic. Okay. My mind is blown. Okay. So when you said microplastics in there, I had this vision of it just being, you know, those face scrubs you used to get. Exactly. The microbeads. But you're telling me that it's actually built into the shampoo. Yeah. Well, there's different formulations of a plastic and I am not a compound chemist of any kind. So I'm not even going to try to delve into the nuances of those. Not a chemistry show either, is it? (laughs) Yeah. We're just staying out of the maths and sciences. Yeah. Some products actually do have microbeads in them, but then other products like shampoos will have acrylic polymers and different things to help create lather, to help coat the hair, to quote unquote seal in moisture. Essentially, it's a really cheap way because you're using fossil fuels. Yeah, it's icky and I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't know enough about all of those names and how plastics are formulated in that depth. But yep, it's there. If somebody wanted to find out more, is there somewhere that you could point them to to go, right, I don't know the answers to this, but this is where I would look to find the list of things that are full of plastics. Let me think about that. And what I'll do is I'll put it up on our Instagram stories because I know they're out there, but it will vary from country to country. So in Europe, the European cosmetic industry voluntarily decided to remove microbeads, not necessarily microplastics, but one particular type. I believe in 2020, they're fully gone from cosmetics, but it was voluntary. Mm -hmm. This is not legislated. So yeah, let me do a little bit more digging. In the United States, the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, and also the CDC has a lot to say about this as well, will give an overview of carcinogens, um, things you should look out for. As for a comprehensive one, let me dig a little bit and find a source that I would really trust that we can share out. Sounds good. What's the CDC, by the way? Uh, oh my gosh, my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I thought it was going to be one of those American things I just should know. It's the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Okay, okay, good. Because of COVID, we just keep hearing CDC, CDC. And after hearing the acronym for so long, my brain's kind of like, oh, that's an actual, that's an acronym. You need to know what the rest of that is. (laughs) (laughs) It's like WWF, isn't it? Worldwide Fund for Nature or World Wrestling Federation. I always get those two mixed up. All right, so no English, no science, no maths. We're narrowing our target area right down, laser-focused. Okay, what's the next thing that we need to look at? Let's talk about ingredients. Some of the bigger ones to stay away from, we'll go through those. Artificial fragrances, number one, if you see anything that's an artificial fragrance, just stay away from it. One, because you don't necessarily know what an artificial fragrance is. It can be a whole cocktail of different things, but it will generally contain phthalates. And again, I'll create an Instagram post for this. I think you're going to need to. You can find Sarah and myself on Instagram at Guilty Greenie. We'll make sure to get those up there for you all. Phthalates are known to cause reproductive and thyroid harm. 
they're derived from petroleum, right? So we want to cut down on fossil fuels. Not great, not good for your health. Can you give me an example of what might be an artificial fragrance that you'd go, oh, that's clearly artificial with your trained eye? It will literally say on the bottle, artificial fragrance. Oh, okay. So that easy then. <laughs> I need to read the label. You don't have to dig too deep <laughs> on that one. Same as it might say artificial color, it can say artificial fragrance as well. Okay. Or if it's not telling you a natural fragrance derived from blah, 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 blah. If right, it's not okay. spelling it out, question that bit. The other one, the acronym is DEA. If I can pronounce it, I'm just going to retire right now. I've made it in life. <laughs> I'm waiting it for it. I feel like you need a drum roll for it. <laughs> Go. This is going to be really bad. Dithano, dithanolamine, lamine. Oh, you lamine. can retire. You nailed yeah. it. You nailed All it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so DEA is, you know, when you wash your hair, most shampoos will lather, like you'll get a really mm-hmm. thick kind of sudsy. That's what DEA is, or that's what it's used for. It's also known for kidney and liver problems and considered a carcinogen. Wow. Con- contrary to popular belief, your shampoo and soaps do not need to lather to be clean. We've just come to think that if it lathers, it's working, but that's not true whatsoever. That's one of the things with the shampoo bars that was hard to get used to, not lathering. Some of them didn't lather. Some did. There are natural lathering agents out there. I would not be able to tell you what they are right now off the top of my head, but they do exist. And if that's something that's really important, then I use plain Castile soap in the shower and that lathers fantastically. And it's one of the better soaps you can use. Great. Good to know. So can I just pull you up on one thing there? When you say DEA, it's considered a carcinogen. Is it considered a carcinogen when used lathering or ingested? I mean, you're not going to eat your soap, but you know what I'm saying? Is just putting it on your hair, is that going to create a reaction in your body? I think this is more of the bigger problem is there's a lot of debate in terms of the concentrations and in what methods it's safe to use. Because to be fair, there are some things you can use that are safe to use in one way, but not safe to use in another way. In terms of DEA, I can't answer that question, but think about it this way. If it is classified as a carcinogen, if you're in a shower and it's steamy, you are A, automatically breathing it in, and B, if it's absorbed through your skin, you're putting it on your scalp and really digging in with your hands. So either way, stay away. That's being absorbed one way or the other. The question is in what concentration? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You raise a really good point though. These are different compounds to be aware of. These are different compounds that the Food and Drug Administration, the Center for Disease Control, or the EPA have all kind of said, hey, there may be, if not are issues with some of these compounds. So if given the choice, choose something different. I like that. Choose something different. You've all got choices. It's just being aware of what they are. All right. So carry on. What else have we got in that little bottle of hell that you're talking Uh, about? (laughs) (laughs) Triclosan, which was actually banned by the Food and Drug Administration in the United States in hand sanitizer because it's linked (gasps) to organ damage, but it's still found in cleaning products and hair products. And then propylene glycol. A lot of people have heard about propylene glycol because, well, where I've heard it used most actually is people who vape. Propylene glycol is one of the bases for vaping. It can, in very small quantities, cause skin irritation. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to task you with this, Kate, is put that list up for us on the Guilty Greeny because there's a lot of information there and it's not something that I'm going to go to the supermarket and remember. I'll be like, right, I need to see what was on the list. It can get a bit confusing when you're looking at labels because I I really don't like when people are like, chemicals are bad. Everything is a chemical. The question is Mm -hmm. how we're using it, what chemical we're using, what concentration, so on and so forth. In the United States, one of the best practices is look for 
I feel like I'm going to regret saying this in a later episode, but I'm just going to put it out there. In order to be considered USDA certified organic, 95% of the ingredients have to be certified organic in order to put the USDA organic label on a product. So I would start there first and foremost. Okay. Organic. In the United States, USDA organic. Okay. So we don't know if there's something similar over here. The EU and the UK are actually much stricter on what can and cannot be included in products. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't know that. I feel safer. (laughs) Is there anything else that we need to know about the ingredients of shampoos, conditioners, and what about body washes and things like that? This is where I'm always like shop small. Smaller tends to be better because if you're buying goat milk soap from your local farmer, I guarantee you there's about three things in there, maybe four ingredients, and they will probably show you their entire process. If that's an option, I would say go that route. If not, I would say then go to refill stores. They tend to do all that kind of background checking for you. The third option is, and this is where, Sarah, you and I will put up a list of resources of really trusted places you can go to rest assured that the product you're getting has been vetted by someone who knows what's going into it. Great. Awesome information. Well, I feel like that is quite a a wad of stuff for us to take away today. Can I give one quick note? And then I want to jump into knowing how your challenge was. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. To go back to why you shouldn't shower every day, dermatologists and doctors have actually found that by taking either too hot of a shower, too frequent of a shower, or using too much soap, you're actually stripping your skin of all of its natural oils. You're preventing it from actually healing itself. Imagine how much work it has to do to replenish all those oils all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just don't mess with it, you know? Just do a Kate. Have a shower every couple of weeks. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the soundbite, isn't it? (laughs) Meanwhile, clean Sarah over here is smelling like daisies. I went to a waxing salon when I lived in London and the woman who was doing my waxing, I believe she was from Poland. And she goes, oh, you're American. I said, yeah, how do you know? And she goes, you smell like washing powder. She goes, Americans always smell like washing powder. That's so weird. Well, maybe it's the whole not cleaning our sheets over here. Maybe she was just excited (laughs) to know that somebody's washed their sheets and maybe their clothes. Who knows? Without further ado, your challenge last week was to go the entire week without using the dryer. How did this go? It was an interesting one. When you gave me that challenge that day, I, I went around the house and took a little audio so you could see the initial reaction and what I was setting myself up for for the rest of the week. I'm just going to play you a little audio clip to give you the inside scoop. This is my husband's reaction. So my challenge this week for the Guilty Greenie is that I've got to not use the dryer at all. Good. My socks will stay the same size as when they go. (laughs) And my 16-year-old son, he was pretty keen to beat the system and find a workaround. What's the best thing about this challenge? The best thing about this challenge is that I'm not involved. (laughs) How often do you do your own washing? Uh, Every day. But I don't know if that's going to count for me cheating or not. No, because I'm not you. What if I get you to do some of my loads of washing? No. (laughs) That's cheating. If I sneak in, like, some of my stuff into your washing... Yeah, well, you fell the challenge. You're not going to tell on me, are you? To who? Exactly. Exactly. And Aviana, my 13-year-old, who, if you recall, had been so on board with the first challenge of zero-waste birthday present wrapping, but was not quite so enthused about this one. 
So this week's Guilty Greenie challenge is I'm not allowed to use the dryer all week. Are you having luck? <laughs> no. What if I need to go somewhere and my clothes aren't dry? Well, you just have to prepare and get them out there. You just have to do that the week I'm going back to school. <laughs> it wasn't me. You can blame Kate. Fine, I do blame Kate. <laughs> all right. Well, it's day one. Let's start. What a note to land on, Sarah. <laughs> Just throw me under the bus to your children. <laughs> Unbelievable. I know. They weren't that pleased. Everyone except Gareth, who was like, this is great. I'm, I'm all up for that challenge. He's also trained the kids really well to do their own laundry, which is amazing. Of those three, who do you think broke the rules? I think it was your husband. You're bloody right. You're so yeah, right. The other, the other two were just like, nah, nah, no, we're just not doing it. Josh actually did. He hung up all of his washing this week and did it. And I think Aviana's technique is that today, when she knows the challenge is finished, I'm going to end up with pretty much a house load full of washing coming down. She's just been squirreling it away in her room. <laughs> exactly. Everything's under the bed. But yeah, it was quite interesting. We only used the dryer once and that was Gareth who broke the wow. rules and he was just like, I can't be dealing with this and threw the sheets in the dryer. And then everybody came and told on him. Everybody in the house. It was so funny. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that. But oh by the time gosh. I found it, it was too late. I like that Josh was holding you responsible right from the start. Whether or not he was going to do it, he was like, no, you got to stick to this challenge. He loves a rule, especially if it's going to throw me under the bus. <laughs> so how did you find it? I don't know. It's two things. This week I've been super busy. So I've actually not been doing loads of washing. And because the challenge was in the back of my head, I've actively not been creating washing. I've been using the towels more often. I was really conscious about it. Oh, can I use that sweater again? Those jeans don't need to go through. So yeah, it definitely made me think about it because I don't want to be creating work for myself. And then there's only so much drying time in the UK and so much space in the backyard. There you go. It was a good challenge. And I think we've definitely cut down on our electricity use this week. And we're consciously thinking about using the dryer. So that's a good result. Do you think that it will make you reconsider how often things need to be washed or the more efficient ways to dry? Definitely. That's something that I can consciously think about and consciously change day to day so I won't be so thoughtless in pushing the button. I feel like so we should do an end of year show with your entire family, <laughs> like a proper sit down, you know, like after the show, the cast meets and we get to hear about everything. The Real Housewives, the after show. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, let's stick on clothing then for your challenge for this week. Okay. I'm torn if I want to do this as a weekly challenge or if this is going to be the challenge for the rest of the month. Because <gasps> So the reason being is September is known as secondhand September. Okay. This was actually started by Oxfam a few years ago. And the idea was to encourage people to take the month of September and not buy any new clothing. Really not to buy any clothing, but it was only buy secondhand if you have to buy something. The reason for that is because, one, we have a horrible fast fashion habit. And then, two, in the United States alone, in 2018, 17 million tons of textile waste ended up in landfills. In the UK, that was around 11 million items. Wow. Okay, that's a lot. The main source is clothing. When I say textiles, it's not just clothing, but it's mainly clothing. So your challenge, I'll ask you, how often do you buy clothing? Let's start there. Not very often, I'm going to be honest. This challenge would be quite easy for me, I think. 
the only thing that I've had to buy recently, and I'm really glad that you're doing this challenge today, is I've got an event coming up at the end of the month. And so I needed an actual proper gowny dress and mm. I needed to buy that and shoes. But I've done that now. So I'm clear for the month. <laughs> I, I can easily do this one. See, I would have challenged you to buy it secondhand, but I get it. I, I know. It. Thank God I didn't have this challenge beforehand. <laughs> that would have stressed me out so much. I could never do that. Maybe you should give me a small challenge for this week as well. I'm going to be traveling. Is there a traveling challenge you could give me? Only bring a carry-on. Are you serious? You're evil. That's the first thing that comes to mind because luggage adds a lot to the CO2 emissions of a plane because the fuel is calculated on the weight. The more weight, the more fuel. I'm so up for that challenge. I can do that. I don't know if I can, but I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I don't know where you're traveling, so I don't know if this is a long haul, short haul, and if it requires a packed bag, but this is what happens when you ask for a second challenge. No, I'm up for it. That's a good challenge. I went on holiday in in the summer and I took a a big bag and I literally counted how many things I'd worn out of that bag and it was three, three items I'd worn on loop for that holiday. So I was like, next time I'm going to definitely make it better packing wise. There's something about holiday where you start packing and you're like, oh, I'm going to need seven shirts and six dresses. Meanwhile, you're sitting at home in your sweatpants, the same sweatpants every single day. (laughs) So true. There's something about holiday where you're just like, no, I will wear my entire wardrobe. I just know it. And And, and clothes you've never worn in the last five years come and get in that suitcase. And they're like, you've got no business being in there at all. And come to the end of the holiday, they had no business being in there. For me, it's shoes. I always pack the wrong shoes every single time. Before, Before we wrap things up, I know we covered so much today. What are your key takeaways from The Naked Truth? Oh, I've got lots today. I'm going to be looking at labels in shampoos and all of my bathroom products. And I'm going to be really conscious about the length of my shower tomorrow and see if I can get it down to four minutes. And I will be having a conversation with my children about bath versus shower, because I think that's actually quite interesting. Those are some of my key takeaways. There's a lot in there today. Probably when I go back and listen, I'll be like, oh, I forgot to mention that. I think the only thing I would add to that list is cut down plastic, try to eliminate that as much as possible. That's just a general rule of thumb, no matter what you're doing, whether it's the grocery store, your laundry room, the bathroom, your closet, just try to cut down as much plastic as possible. Oh, one other thing that's my takeaway. I'm going to be looking at cosmetics a little bit more consciously this week. Now I'm thinking of a future challenge. Maybe I'll have you make your own lipstick. (laughs) With that, please do join us next week to see if Sarah accomplished her challenge. And for more, the good, the bad, and the laughable as we tackle our own sustainability journeys exclusively on Fireside in the Climate Collab Auditorium. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Guilty Greenie. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share, rate, and leave a five-star review on Apple. It helps others find the podcast and get the climate conversation flowing. Guilty Greenie is an independently made podcast, so if you would like to support the podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com backslash guilty greenie. The more support, the more content for your ears. Follow us on Instagram at Guilty Greenie and join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Make sure to share your experiences, the good, the bad, and the laughable. We'd love to hear from you. And let us know what topics you want to know more about. Until then, stay curiously green. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor. And every week, I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So, come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. 